Divorce TV News Time with an expert interview with Tina Weston and Tina's also going to share her shared story with us today and a final lovely EFT healing with Susan Carmilla. Let's see what the sun has for us today in the news. I'm going to start off with something a little bit ridiculous. This is the son talking about my husband said he would divorce me if I didn't name our baby his full name. But he's awful, meaning the name, presumably. A conflicted wife has revealed how she and her husband are having a serious issue naming their first child. She said her husband is so set on the name that he threatened to divorce her if she didn't go along with it. Trust me, there is a reason for me sharing this story with you. I have always looked forward to naming a child or a pet one day. And since my pets all come with names, this will be my first time naming someone, she wrote in an anonymous post to Reddit. I was so excited until my husband insisted out of nowhere that we name our son his exact full name. First name, middle name, one middle name, two, and of course the long hyphenated last name we now share, plus the fifth. The woman who is halfway through her pregnancy and does not know the baby's gender explains she isn't comfortable with this name because she genuinely thinks it's awful. She even admitted that her husband was embarrassed to tell her his full name when they began dating, so she's not sure why he would want their potential son to feel the same shame. And what if it's a girl? She also took issue with the fact that that women did not get a say in naming the firstborn boy in her husband's family for generations. To make matters worse, she explained that her husband was originally on the same page as her with choosing a different name, so she feels blindsided by the argument they're in. He told me this was non-negotiable and basically gave me a divorce ultimatum if I don't go along with his and with with his this name that he wants and also insinuated that he doesn't want to co-parent a child with me if it's this hard before the birth. This is not sounding good. The mother to be wrote on Reddit. It's just honestly not like my husband at all to act this way and I am so conflicted at what to do. I know that I am not going to be going along with this name, but I am absolutely gutted at the thought of my husband leaving me, she added. It's clear that the wife never expected to be in such a heartbreaking situation, says the son, and the internet offered some messages of support and suggestions for her. So they included, so he wants nothing to do with his flesh and blood. If he's named something else, what question mark, question mark, one person wrote in disbelief. I definitely wouldn't stay married to any man who essentially threatened to upend our entire lives and abandon his own child over a tradition that was discussed we'd have no part in, a second person said. One user suggested calling the husband by his full name and nothing else to see how he feels about it. I thought it was quite a good one. Another person wondered if this sudden change of heart on the husband's part could have to do with an inheritance issue the expecting mother is not aware of. Or maybe it could be another another person involved. Who knows? It is a bit suspicious, don't you think? If you agree, please put, your, put what you think in the comments. Others urge the upset woman to sit her husband down and get to the bottom of what this is really about. That's a very good suggestion. As of this writing, the post had not been updated on Reddit on this situation. So naming a baby, it said, can be difficult, a difficult thing if not everyone is on the same page. This was proven true when a TikToker shared that her mother-in-law complained about her grandchild's name as she was giving birth. 
My the reason I shared this ridiculous story is actually, uh, and I'm not denying it must be very distressful for this woman, is that what she seems to be suddenly in is a very controlling and coercive relationship because that's what this guy is doing. Um, and although there were actually some quite good suggestions there, one of the uh, the lovely experts we have on our, our workshops or that you can access through uh, through me via the Best Way to Divorce app is Ruth Driscoll. She's been on the show quite a few times. Um, Ruth helps people deal with controlling and coercive relationships so that, um, uh, that and I think, you know, if you're listening, lady from Reddit, I'd be very help, happy to give you an introduction to Ruth and see if she, I can persuade her to give you a, a free session because I think that's what you need to do. Now, art collection. We did mention this uh, a little while back, but this is, has progressed. So in BBC News, Andy Warhol divorce art auction raises 676 million in New York. So paintings and sculptures by famous artists, including Andy Warhol and Jackson Pollock, have sold at, at auction in New York. The collection raised more than $676 million, that's about £503 million, at auction on Monday. The 35 pieces belonged to real estate mogul Harry McMacklow and his former wife Linda. The pair were told to sell the collection and split the proceeds during their 2018 divorce trial. A further 35 pieces of art are set to go up for auction next year. Number 17, 1951, a piece by Jackson Pollock, fetched 61.2 million dollars. Imagine having those kind of assets to cash in on in your divorce. Andy Warhol's Nine Marilyn silk screen, which was made shortly after the actress Marilyn Monroe's death, fetched 48.5 million dollars. The collection was estimated to be worth 400 million dollars and had toured several locations including Tapai, Hong Kong, Paris and London before returning to New York. The couple were granted a divorce last year after 59 years together. The pair could not come to an agreement on the value of the artworks and so a judge appointed an administrator to oversee the sale of the items. What a shame after 59 years they just couldn't sort it out um, and although they had a judge to do that well, again, it's always good to mention you don't have to go to court and battle it out. You can choose an arbitrator. It's like a private judge and often that is considerably less expensive and you both get to disagree who that person is. Obviously, if you're incapable of agreeing on anything, then you're just going to get lumbered with someone doing it for you in a court. And last but not least, Law Society Gazette. I like this one. Costs in pension divorce case, a shaming indictment of our legal system. We need more, more judges speaking out like this. A family court judge has landed a man with a costs bill of £100,000 after an application to vary a post-divorce pension sharing order that was hopeless from the outset. So any of you with not happy with your divorce settlement and thinking to go back and vary it, make sure you've got a really solid case because this guy lost out by a lot. In a ruling that was highly critical of the lawyers involved, his honour judge Edward Hess rejected the application and said it was high time that a line is drawn under this seemingly endless litigation. The judge said that the former couple involved who divorced in 2017 had incurred more than £300,000 in costs between them. He added that costs should have been incurred at this level um, on this application is a tragedy for this family and also a shaming indictment for the legal system 
even more so as much of these costs were incurred by legal teams who appear to have had limited understanding of the issues with which they were dealing. That's a very nice way to <laughs> really slam their lawyers. Judgment on financial remedies proceedings was handed down in 2015 and included a provision that there would be a 40% pension sharing order in favour of the wife. The husband is a commercial director and the wife who stayed in the marital home is a hospital administrator. So it's probably a slight difference in, in the pension. So that sounds very reasonable, right? Developments in the relevant company pension scheme came about in 2017 and affected how both parties saw the fairness of the operation. The wife believed she would be losing substantial amounts by receiving an external transfer of the pension, which she believed was her only choice. The court heard that neither her solicitors nor her counsel advised her of the existence of a remedy which would have solved her problem, a failure of which the judge described as disappointing. Of course, if she chatted to uh, our Charter Financial Planner, Henry Elliston, she would have known probably a lot more than her lawyers about how to deal with this. The wife made an application for an uplift in her share of the pension, which is now accepted by her current lawyers as being wholly misconceived. The husband responded with his own application for a variation of the pension sharing order. The judge said the husband's case involved a fundamental misunderstanding about the value of the pension fund. He commented that the proper response to the wife's application would have been to resist it and point out the availability of the internal transfer rights which she had at that time. He added, this is a clear case where the husband has taken an unreasonable view of the case from the outset and has pursued it to the bitter end. The husband was ordered to pay £100,000 of his ex-wife's £130,487 costs in full within a month. At last, a little bit of accountability. I'm introducing Tina for our first time on the show, isn't it, Tina? Yes, it is. Yes. And Tina's joining us. I should just say in my last comment that that last bit about accountability, that wasn't the judge. That was my comment, just to be fair to the judge. But I'm, I'm sure that he wouldn't disagree with that. So we're going to talk now to Tina. And Tina is a fantastic example of someone who's moving into the expert field as a result of her own experiences because uh, we've we've met before haven't we Tina could you perhaps met so you yes, could give an intro of how we came to know each other well we came to know each other more recently again um when I was going through my own divorce journey and I wanted some advice from you to yeah get some guidance on how best to navigate my own divorce and I really appreciated your support and guidance because it meant I didn't have to involve solicitors and massive legal costs but it was a much simpler way of dealing with it so yeah so you, you, you uh, yeah, I'm my, my pleasure and, and but it's great to know that you're coming to your which you can talk about your new business venture in a second but you're coming to it from a place of someone who knows that it can be done better even when it's really difficult yeah. i.e there's far worse places you can end up. Because it's sad how often I do speak to, particularly women who've already decided it's just going to be horrendous and he won't do mediation. And he and they've, they've kind of mapped out this disastrous scenario and, and actually really struggle to believe that anything else could be possible. So um, it's great that you you were able to get over that and 
manage it well. So what were in that, we're going to talk a little bit about your own experiences later in the shared story, but what's that led you to create? Well, I've just launched a mini retreat for mums going through separation and divorce. And it comes from a place really of my own journey of separation and divorce and finding that it was quite a lonely one at times and quite isolating, especially in the early stages when you're trying to work out, am I going to separate, yes or no? What's going to happen? And maybe you don't want to tell all your friends yet. Maybe it's all a bit tender and raw. And so that can be quite lonely. But also afterwards, when you've shared it, you don't want to lean on your friends all of the time with your experiences and your challenges of that journey. So I didn't really have any support outside of my immediate network of friends, if you like, and family. And so what I wanted to do was create connection and togetherness for women on this journey, because I find that often it's so comforting to know when other people go through something similar or in essence, it's the same journey, but just their own version of it. And just to know that we all have so much in common and it's not just us and it's not just our pain. Yes, it's our story, but in, you know, the essence of it is that many, many people share it. And, and so we can support each other and not feel so alone, really. And, and would you agree that uh, I, I found that people who, who are in that state of, of, shall we say, flux are, it's great to know that there are other people and they get what's going on. But once people, I, I, you might think that when people have finished, gone through the other side, that they would also be supported. But actually, it's very difficult to talk to people because I found that if they'd had a traumatic experience, which let's face it, it is traumatic, even if it's peaceful, it's very difficult, that they were so triggered by it that they actually didn't want to be didn't want to go anywhere near me because it was brought up their own pain so you're kind of only really left with the people who are actually there dealing with it on the cold face do, do you find did you find that yeah and I I think that that it can be you know people do get triggered but also I think it requires a kind of holding and mm. I think the other thing that I found is that sometimes friends find it uncomfortable because maybe they were friends with the other party and then they don't quite know how to behave they don't quite know how to navigate it but also I find that a bit like when someone has a death experience in their family people don't know how to respond people mm. find it uncomfortable dealing with difficult emotions and so what I wanted to create was really a space where women would come together and there would be a supportive yeah framework if you like and a holding for them to be able to receive because the other thing that i found is that speaking as a mom who has the children pretty much most of the time you know then mums are responsible for pretty much everything a lot of the time and they do so much holding and carrying and they hold their children's emotions and journeys and all the practical side of things and navigating the divorce and there's not much room for them to tend their own feelings, mm. their own emotions, their own healing journey. And so what I wanted was to create a space that was safe and where mums would be held. They didn't have to do the holding, but they would receive and they would receive nurturing and holding. And um, so I included a, a lovely lunch for them because it, 
I wanted them to really be in that position of not having to do or hold anything just mm -hmm. to come back to themselves and be. And I think that can be so nourishing and so supportive and it helps your nervous system to kind of come down and relax and then you're actually able to make better decisions, better choices. You can be a better mom, you can show up better in the world for yourself and for others when you feel safe and held, right? So I th that's I think, uh, kind of where it came from. I think a lot of mums listening to this will be going, I'm not getting divorced, but I still want to come to your retreat. <laughs> but you, could you tell a little bit about your, because you've got quite a, a diverse background that feeds into this very well, isn't it? Perhaps uh, talk yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah. yeah, I used to be, before I had children, I was a social worker for 10 years and used to work with children and families and young people. And, you know, so I've seen a lot of what can happen when, separation and divorce is a messy affair and children suffer you know mm. so I also feel really passionate about creating a space where children can feel safe and supported and at the center of how things are navigated if you like um, and then I, I after I had children I retrained as a life and transformation coach mm -hmm. and so I've done a lot of coaching with people and mainly with women um, because I feel really passionate about empowering women to lead the lives that they desire and to feel good about themselves and to to have an impact in the world in the way that they wish to. And um, so that all feeds in. And, and the other part is that I, I've done a lot of work with essential oils and I've done lots of well-being workshops around that. And now in these retreats and in the work I do now, it brings all those different parts together um, because the essential oils, for instance, they are a very powerful tool that we can use to navigate our emotional journeys. And um, so that's a really powerful tool to bring in. And so it's exciting for me because all those different aspects come together. And of course, my own experience of separation and going through a divorce. And and just to finish with how, you know, what inspired you to actually, what, what was the moment where you thought, I'm going to do this? Because it's a big undertaking. I mean, you've got children, you, you've not long, you, you, you know, you've got a co-parent, you've got all that stress going on. So yeah. where did you find the, the, the insanity to decide to start your own <laughs> business? Um, and uh, I, I get the feeling it's a bit, it's a real kind of driving passion, a bit, a bit like what, me with what I do. Perhaps tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it, it came from a place of feeling, maybe because I feel like I've done a lot of work on my own healing journey and I feel like I've kind of coming out the other side and I feel, I feel more myself than I've ever felt and I feel this real passion for supporting other women to go on a journey that we can choose to do our healing work now. We don't have to wait 10 years. We don't have to wait for the children to go on their healing journey when they're adults. We can really tend ourselves today as we go through it because then it really empowers us to make different choices and to have more impact in the world and, and to to feel good and well. And I think that's what happened for me, that I feel better than I've ever felt. And so I want other women to have that same opportunity to go on that journey. That's brilliant. And, and uh, don't go away because we're going to have you back uh, shortly to hear about your own, your own personal journey in a shared story. So thank you so much. Thank you. 
I look forward to that coming up and we're going to do a little bit of a, a QR, well, a quick QR, I saw, as the masterclass session, a little bit of teaching, not really teaching, I'm just going to share something that was inspired um, by uh, some of the news stories actually. So one of the things, uh, yeah, as I said at the end of that uh, piece from the judge about how uh, toxic really our family law system can be when you've got solicitors who drive up their fees and end up, you know, at the end of the day, they didn't have to pay that uh, ridiculously huge amount of money. It was the, the guy who, you know, you're the ones who are held accountable financially if your solicitors go, yeah, we could do this in court, even when clearly it's massively misguided. So be careful of that. But the trouble with a lot of these things is it's, there's not enough accountability. And that is particularly true when you're co-parenting. So I just wanted to um, I always sort of draw from conversations I'm having with people uh, a lot. And one of them is about really encouraging people to go into the app, use it's a free app, go to the uh, the free welcome pack and in there are co-parenting resources and I've negotiated a, like $10, what's sort of about seven quid to create a template for a co-parenting plan. So there's no excuse, everyone can do that. And when you send it to your ex or your co-parent, they don't have to pay anything. So there's no excuse for that. And for the um, Our Family Wizard, that is a, you do have to pay for that, but again, it's, it's peanuts for the, over the year and it's such an important tool. So where the accountability comes in. So in theory, right, you should get your co-parenting plan template. And I would say give this is a good example. So the first thing you might want to look on, uh, look at is agree on the dates of the school holidays, because there's no argument about that, is there? They, that just exists. So you agree on that, but you go for the process, you put it in and you both say, yep, that's right. And you agree how much time each parent will have with them on those holidays. And then you put that in the plan. And then you use a shared diary like the one in the co-parenting resources and the best way uh, to divorce app, which you can turn your plan into specific actions. That's where you think, all right, well, like what dates? You know, we've agreed, let's say 50-50 in holidays. Well, you know, what dates does that, what does that mean in practice? And you put that in the diary. All of this should be so simple. However, uh, often it not, isn't. And, but what I say to people is don't worry if the other person isn't joining in yet, because they may, they may do later on, and I'll give you one reason why they might in a second. But what they're doing is they don't want the accountability that comes with it. But you need that accountability. When you're working together at home and everything's sweet, you can ebb and flow and get away with all of that. But when you separate, that doesn't work anymore. You need iron cast rules and this is how we're going to do this. So let's take that example of the school holidays. So this is what we're talking about, um, accountability. The other person, the other parent won't even open the link to the plan, which costs them nothing. How will they look to child services, Kafkas or a judge? Who is clearly the one who's messing about? So think about that. If things are getting messy over the kids, the, the social services, the judge, how do they know who's lying, who's telling the truth? But if you just go, hey, I sent them a link, it didn't even cost anything, and they couldn't even be bothered to agree on the dates of the school holidays, everybody know who's the one who's messing about. It, it creates a little bit of accountability there. Another accountability, agree the dates that are indisputable. So that shouldn't be too difficult or unreasonable. If someone won't even do that, 
everybody knows who is the one who's being unreasonable here. The other accountability is, let's you know, agree the holiday split. Yeah, you, you might go 50-50 unless there's practical reasons, you know, maybe work-related, that, that maybe dad can't do that because of work. But, you know, you, you just work out a split. And, and the most really, really important thing to put in your plan, especially if, if you have a tricky ex, is you must put in what the childcare backup is because it's useless if he or she agrees to, let's say, 50% of the holidays, if every five minutes they're dropping the kids around because they can't do it because something's come up at work. That doesn't work. So you have to be really clear in your parenting plan that if you have a problem, who are you going to call? Is it a grandparent? Is it a childminder? Put it in the plan. Okay, really important. Because again, that gives accountability at, and people aren't agreeing to things if it's harder for them to agree to it if they know that actually they can't they're not going to be able to do that and and they won't be asking for so much time with the children just to get back at you because actually they've got to take responsibility for that uh, commitment and finally our family wizard diary which you can access in the app if you have a real problem with them your the other parent you, know, you can actually uh, print off uh, templates there for court orders it is not unknown for a judge to say to uh, your ex, you co-parent, you must use this software. This makes sense. They can do that. You can have it put into a consent order if you want. That you would be something you agree on. Or you can have a judge insist on it. Why not? So use these tools because this is going to make such a difference to your stress levels and your, your and your ex's accountability and my goodness is it going to make things better for the children i'm going to get you ready now for our shared story and we're going to find out all about what happened to tina hello again tina hi so let us let us know what actually happened to you as obviously being bearing in mind this goes out on to a lot of platforms so so do do, do feel free to change names if you want to <laughs> so now, now I've totally stuffed your your story <laughs> it's all good um yeah well, I suppose, you know, I thought I had the fairy tale wedding and marriage and, you know, we lived off grid in a bus in the forest and it was really beautiful and um, I thought that was it. And then over time, those little niggles showed up and little red flags and, you know, I let some of them go and didn't want to know because it's difficult and it's painful, isn't it, when things are not working to admit that to yourself or to admit it to someone else. And so I always really believe that you can overcome anything if you're prepared to do the work and to dive in and be honest and open and, yeah, do the work together. And so as the niggles got bigger, that was my approach to kind of, come on, let's work this through. We can do this. We're intelligent people. We can navigate this. And um, so that was my real belief. And and I did a lot of that. I put my heart and soul into that and realized over time that that didn't quite work and that that wasn't really getting me anywhere. 
until I felt actually I can't do this anymore. <clears throat> but I felt quite trapped that how do you do it? You know, I'd been a stay at home mom, I'd given my all to my children. So I didn't have financial backup, or I didn't have, you know, my own independent financial resources to do it. So I found that quite a challenge. And so I thought I had no choice until I had an amazing conversation with a friend who said, hang on a minute, we all have choice. If you don't know the hows, it doesn't mean you don't have choice. You just know you don't know how you can do it. And that was a real wake up call for me and really so empowering. And, and I realized, yeah, actually I do have choice. And then I did my research and I found a way. I found a way to do it. And, you know, I ended up living in a little sweet home with my children and navigating things. And once we'd separated, my big passion was to do the healing work there and then and not to wait, not for the children, not for me. And so my motto was to allow emotions to arise as raw as they were, whenever they did, to create space for that, make that priority. And so that was a big part of what we did, you know, going out into nature every single day, connecting to the local beautiful countryside and the trees and the earth and really ground ourselves in that way. I found that really, really helpful and supporting. And I used essential oils a lot to help us navigate our emotional journey because the oils, as you breathe them in, they connect directly to the limbic part of your brain where the emotions are kind of managed, if you like. And so that's a really fast way of working with emotional responses. And so we use them a lot. And then for myself, I was really committed to making real change, you know, and I'd lost myself in my marriage and I realized I needed to absolutely commit to myself and to put things in place that would mean I would never go back to old ways. And so I made a really drastic choice. I decided that I would marry myself and make a commitment to myself in front of my closest friends. And, and that's what I did. So I didn't want anything from the past to be just stored in a box or in a drawer. I wanted to take it as part of my story and transform it into something new. That was really, really important to me. So I then went on a journey with an amazing jeweler and we had a separation ceremony and we released the vows from our rings. And then I took my ring and cut it with my jeweler. And so, and then she transformed it into a different ring. And so now you can see, I don't know whether you can see it, it's a spiral of life, so it kind of spirals round, and I transformed it into something new that would kind of yeah take me to the next stage of my life because I didn't want to deny what happened before because it's all part of who we are. You know, our past is part of our present and who we are now is part of who we become tomorrow. And so I wanted to acknowledge that as a journey and so I also transformed my wedding dress into a new version of a dress that I wore for my ceremony. And um, then had a very tiny ceremony with the woman actually who married us when we got married in the forest. And because I felt that 
it's such an opportunity when we have difficulty in life and hard things happen. There are real opportunities for growth and expansion and learning and yeah, doing things differently. And and that's what I wanted for myself, but I also wanted to show my children that we all have a choice and we can always grow and become a different version of ourselves that is more aligned with who we really are. And um, yeah, so that's that's what I did. And yeah, it was an amazing journey to go on and it still is. And so today I was just saying when I was holding my first mini retreat with these mums that actually today I feel more myself than I've ever felt in my whole life. And if I look back, I wouldn't want to change anything. None of the really toughest or hardest moments because actually journeying through them has made me stronger and has made me who I am today. And I'm so grateful for that. So it might sound a bit weird, but I'm really grateful for the journey I've had despite the messiness along the way. Um, or maybe even because of it, because it meant I really had an opportunity to look at my stuff and transform it into something new and something healthier and more thriving. And um, mm. yeah, I'm and so that maybe I... answers your question from earlier. That was part of my motivation because mm. separation and divorce doesn't just have to be tragedy and trauma. It can also be an amazing opportunity and invitation of huge transformation and change in a, in a positive way, in a really something that gives you something more and something new and, yeah, bring positive change. I, I wrote an article for the Daily Mail once, and I can't remember the if the, what the title was in the, in the newspaper, but the title I'd given it was A Strange Gift. And it was very much about yeah that that amazing you know you don't get that like the day after when your relationship's no. ended takes you do need to do some healing work but mm. that when you finally realise oh my goodness this was this is part of who I am now and this is mm. amazing and um and that's a very oh it's like such a blessing if you could get there and um, obviously if mm. you've had a particularly traumatic time. Um, maybe there's been abuse. That's all all very uh, difficult. I was going to ask you about that actually in in a second because there's a, a question that I'm thinking. Oh, I bet people are asking this question. Before I say that, to position it right, I think everything you're saying. How joyful for your children to be able to look at their mother without who has no resentment or bitterness at all towards the time she spent bringing them up with their dad. I mean, that's a horrible thing for them to have to have to think could happen and you you've taken that out of the equation not only for your own benefit but hugely for them because mm. to for them to feel that oh god my parents wish they'd never been together that's a big load for children to carry because they always you know, well revolves around them doesn't it they're not they're not going to think mm. well it's nothing to do with me so um I, for me that's the most powerful thing uh, so outcome if you like but the, the one little question I wanted to ask before you go is uh, some people will be listening to this and go well you know they must have been quite you know amicable it must have been easy you know it wouldn't have worked for me um yeah I thought so so, so as much as you can no. bearing in mind you have children and I don't know if they're ever yeah. likely to watch this but you know b yeah. b do it do it right but perhaps you can answer that because I think it's important that people don't make those kind of excuses to themselves because they're going to miss out yeah no it was messy very messy and it still is and there are times when it's very traumatic and um 
yeah, really upsetting and really, really stressful, you know, and and when you have experiences build up over time, you have your own trauma and stress responses in your body, you know, mm-hmm. and I, so I definitely didn't have an easy ride far from it, actually. But I think it was because of that, because I felt even more inspired because I was thinking, actually, no, I chose to go separate ways. So I'm not going to allow the other person to have that level of impact on me and on my life anymore. I am going to commit to healing so much that I can create something new that I won't be so permanently affected by it. And don't get me wrong, I have messy days and I have days where I feel it's really hard and it's really painful and it's tough. But now those days are far less than the days that are different. And I think that has been a journey over the last four years to really dive deep into that healing. And I was committed. That was what I did every single day. I tended those wounds. I tended those things that needed healing in order to get to a different place. Because I also want to show my children, we can all go through tough times, but you can always choose to meet the pain and to heal it and transform it and create something new. And, you know, we've, we've created some magical new family traditions together. And so there is a lot of magic. And there is also the, the not to say that Christmases and birthdays are not hard moments. Of course they are. Of course they are. But I think we always have a choice whether we take radical responsibility for ourselves and our journey or not. And Mm. taking that level of responsibility is not an easy option, but I find it's a very, it's a very rewarding one. That's lovely. Thank you very Mm. much for for sharing. And uh, and anyone who's listening who has a a story, as long as that story has something, it doesn't have to be a happy ending, but as long as it's a story that has some kind of learning or realisation, because that is then valuable for others to hear, feel feel free to... uh, to share uh, but it's very generous of you to share that um tina so thank you bye for now and i can't wait to hear more about what happens uh, with your with your uh, retreats so we must uh, catch up about that soon yes thank you very much for having me lovely lovely um yeah i, I, want, I want to go on one of those retreats so uh, uh yeah look after yourselves nurture yourselves and on that note um with the workshop that's coming up next week very very soon uh the divorce financial workshop on the 25th of november uk and it is uh, full of nurturing people as well as legal and financial and now we're going to move forward to susan who's going to be coming and we'll just have a quick chat about what she's going to do first and then she is going to be let loose on you to do some healing And I'm going to now welcome Susan. Hi. With us. Thank you for joining us. And uh, you are, of course, a massive regular on the show. <laughs> and so, so what we're going to do now um, is before I, I let you loose on the full screen, perhaps you could just give us a little uh, preparation for what's coming. Uh, it was a great talk earlier. 
Um, and I'm going to, my emotional healing tonight is going to be working with my favorite tool, EFT, Emotional Freedom Technique. And it's going to be quite assertive with a jump from stress to the possibilities that we can get over that just in a flash as a quick, an excellent quick fix. This tool is used by people all over the world, different professions. It's an excellent tool. And I would like to say, actually, Susie, that if, if people are interested, I've put together a small uh, EFT for Beginners bundle, four different master classes to help people feel confident about the tapping routine, about the tapping points, and not to worry that they're not getting it right. If people enjoy the experience, then it's ideal so that they're confident from the mm -hmm. word go. And uh, and that's particularly useful, of course, for those who are listening on the podcast version who are thinking, I have no idea if I'm doing this right. So um, what they need to do is look at the links um, afterwards and they'll be able to. You're, I know you're very good at popping in links and giving the information. So you're going to get everyone uh, a link so they can find that easily. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's it. Brilliant. I shall let you loose. OK, thank you. OK, this evening. As I mentioned, we're going to experience an assertive and positive tapping routine. EFT is emotional freedom technique, and it's used by many professionals to help many people ease their stressors and anxieties. To share, and I'm going to be sharing how your energy can shift from feeling low to feeling refreshed, good, able to get on with your day. And we'll finish with a, a lovely, empowering energy share. During this, I will ask you some questions. I'll let you know when this is happening. And I'm looking for you to respond like the snap of your fingers, a gut feel answer. I might ask you what number out of 10 you're feeling the, the little bit of emotional disturbance, because I'm going to keep you safe. And I might ask you where you feel things happening in your body. And importantly, I would love you to maybe become aware of when your energy is changing to improving, to being positive, because you may find that your, your tummy rumbles, you may burp, or I'm a yawner, I yawn when the energy is released. So let's see how we're going to start what I decided that we're going to do. We tap on energy channels of the body, energy meridians. And if you're new to tapping, please just follow me. There'll be a lot of me saying, repeat after me. And that's really all you need to, to be concerned about. First of all, we're going to tap the tap on the, the energy channels and we're going to use if you can't see me i'm using the tips of my fingers on the top of my head gently tapping i move down to the eye socket and we tap at the corner of the eye next to the nose we move across to the side of the eye nearer the ear 
and then we'd tap on the lower eye socket, the lower part of the socket. Ever so gently, no black eyes, please. Then under the nose, two or three fingers gently for a very few seconds. Chin, then the, the collarbone, there's a lovely spongy bit under the collarbone, just gently tap there. And then under the arm. So I'm inviting you now to start tapping on the karate point of your hand. We're going to start with a statement. Now you can chop and change whatever side you're tapping on. It's totally up to you. You might see me chop and change. And we start with a negative statement followed by a positive statement. And the aim is for you to feel more at ease and calm within a very few minutes. So, let's start now. Repeat after me. Even though some things have been a struggle this week, I'm feeling reasonably okay right now. And repeat, please, even though some things have been a struggle this week, I'm feeling reasonably okay right now. Fingertips to the top of the head and repeat. It's been a bit of a struggle this week. Moving to the corner of the eye. Up and down feelings. Gently tap the side of your eye. Struggling to get things done. Underneath the eye socket, the eye and the eye socket underneath on the bone. Struggling to feel okay. Now under your nose. It's been a tricky time. Sometimes Feeling stressed on the chin point. Collarbone, sometimes feeling really good. And then underneath the arm, a whole mixed bag of feelings. For the next round, I'm not going to name the points. So I'm going to ask you to be thinking about at the same time where you feel any stress in your body, where it's held in your head or you're behind your eyes or, or in your tummy. So just repeat after me, please. I'm starting at the top of the head, very short phrases. I felt angry. I felt sad. I've been very stressed. I felt low and uncomfortable. I felt anxious. I felt so ill at ease. 
and I don't like feeling this way. But it happens regularly. Now we're going to do a whole round repeating the same word as you tap through the points. And I want you to be thinking of what number out of 10 your feeling of intensity. Now, if, if you happen to be jumping to a 10, that means you are stressed. If it's a one, you're managing this and you're enjoying practicing it. Top of the head. I feel stressed. Feeling stressed. Feeling stressed. All the time you're doing this, please think what number that intensity is. If it happens to be very high, stop. Just listen. Underneath the eye, stressed. Feeling stressed. Feeling stressed. Feelings of stress. Feeling stressed. Think of the number. Back up to the top of your head. But I can choose to feel better right now. I can choose to feel better, brighter right now. This is in my power. Choosing ease. I feel brighter and more at ease in my head. Feeling more at ease in my body. Feeling more at ease. Choosing to enjoy this feeling. This feels so much better. Go to your karate point and just think to yourself, I'm choosing, choosing to feel more at ease. And close your eyes, please. Have your hands in your lap. And just feel inside your whole body this empowerment you've gifted yourself realizing you have the choice to shift your mood breathe it in breathe in this ease breathe in this peace breathe it in with every sense that you have feel this taste it sense it see it You've chosen to feel more at ease. And this is a choice, a choice that you've gifted yourself 
because you deserve this and open your eyes. I wish you peace and I wish you ease. Thank you. Susie, I'm finished. I feel like I'm really getting the hang of this whole tapping thing, but I think that download that Susan mentioned would be great to, to get it right. Because it is, I, I was on a seven and now I'm feeling a bit more like a four, really much more chilled. So that's, that's lucky for anyone who has to spend time with me for the rest of the evening. Thank you very much, Susan. Thank you so much, Tina. And we've got this lovely, oh, bringing this up uh, to Stephanie Parker. He said, great to listen to you both. Tina Weston, those women are in for such a treat to have you have this support with you it's a, a the treats are wonderful i'd love to start doing some more um as well at some point uh, maybe next year um let covid settle down a little bit more so fantastic to have all these guests and remember that on the battlefield of family separation in the war of divorce always make peace your weapon of choice <laughs>